You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Dave, we got a fun one today. We do. Our good friend Garage Joe, we've had him on before. He's a member of the Hall of Fame. Uh, he has helped restore. He's spent his own money restoring White Sox artifacts for the Hall of Fame. He comes on every once in a while and tells us some insider stuff. The Hall of Fame is this weekend. The induction. Harold's right. going in. Harold's going Harold, in. Harold. I mean, they're going to chant that, I would imagine. At some point during the ceremony. I mean, if there are a bunch, of, I'm sure that if there are a bunch of old guard Sox fans there, you'll hear. You that, would hope yeah. so. You, you would, would hope so. some uh, some old guard Sox fans would make it out there to Cooperstown for Harold. We have Garage Joe on the show to talk about if you're going, what to do when you're there, and what it's like if it's your first trip to Cooperstown, and then also to talk about how you can watch it in case you're not going. And a little bit, I'm going to ask him a couple other questions about stuff that he's been doing with the Hall of Fame. I tweeted out a screenshot a couple days ago on the anniversary, on the two-year anniversary of the White Sox acquiring Aloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease from the Chicago Cubs, along with first baseman Matt Rose and infielder Brian Fleet. Baseball America's midseason top 100 list at that point with that trade had seven White Sox on the list. This is only two years ago. I remember this list. What is your rule? You say this all the time with prospects. Well, you want what you you're lucky if one of three of them hit. If one of three of them hit, right? Right. Okay. So there is a reason for positivity with the White Sox. Because I'm gonna list the seven guys in the top one hundred just two years ago. Right. Under your thing, we'd be saying two of them. Two of them we would feel good about right now. Maybe three. Okay, let's okay. have it. All right. Mancada. Oh, yeah. Okay. Feel good about him, right? Absolutely. He was well, number yes. one on the list. Absolutely. He's he's a stud. We had a rough year last year, but we said it on this show, he's going to get better. Jimenez at number five. Yeah. Also, oh, feel great about him, yeah, right? Yeah, feel great about it. Feel Absolutely. huge about him. Okay, fine. Kopech at 20. Now, undecided. Okay, you're undecided. Me, I think he's going to be a star still. I think Tommy John's a bump of the road. Okay? But you could keep your undecided. Number 45, Lewis Robert. Um, who is right now just tearing the cover off the ball, no matter what class of the minors you put him in. Yeah, so, he could yeah, come up right now. He came up to trip. He came up to triple A and is just absolutely destroying the he ball. Could come up right. He now. could come up right now. I thought about that when I was reading. When I was reading the, not to get off on this tangent, no, but no, when I was, but when I was reading the the uh, recaps of his first weekend or his first week in triple A. He has some ridiculous... His first at-bat was a grand slam. Yeah, he has some ridiculous OPS, like 1,200. Yeah. I mean, and he is... I mean, now, granted, small sample size, but he is... He's still doing it. Like, the last uh, the last minor league report I read, I mean, he is... So, you, yeah, he. you might see him this year. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, first of all... He at least starts the year next year. So, yes, you feel good about he it. He comes up in his first game, he hits a grand slam, then a sack fly... So he's still bad a thousand because he's that doesn't five, count he's against got him. Five right? RBIs at I, that people point. Are, people were reporting it poorly by saying that he actually was something like you know three for five. He's really three for four in that game because the sack fly don't count. Okay, so he he gets the sack fly, then he comes up and it's a solo bomb, then he comes up in singles, 
Then he then he grounds out to the pitcher at the end of the game because he's exhausted from all the hard work that he's done during <laughs> right. that first game in AAA. <laughs> right. And then he comes back right away and he's doing it. I mean, he's he's stealing bases. Every here's the thing: the argument's going to be made, and I've already seen it. Okay, I've seen it from our good friend James Fox over at Loop Sports and Future Sacks. Right. I've already seen this. I've seen the talk of, well, you're not going to see him this year, and they're going to hold him down and control him because you want seven years instead of six. I've seen that. I'd be shocked if the White Sox aren't talking to him right now. About a contract. About a contract yeah. in, it, in the same vein as Aloy Jimenez. That's what I was just going to say. I don't think... They're not going to keep him down. If he keeps doing this, they're not going to keep him down in AAA just to save a year of service time. They're going to get a deal done before it even comes but to But what that. about this argument? And maybe I'm a crazy looney tune who sits in his bar in his basement and has a stupid podcast, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But what if you think of it this way? You did not expect him to be ready this year. He had an injury. You didn't expect him, but you wanted him this year. The original plan was you were going to see him this year, and then he gets injured and he doesn't progress very well. Then he goes on this amazing tear and he's having this incredible season. Okay, fine. There's no difference in the baseball in AAA than there is in Major League Baseball. In fact, they're using the same ball in AAA as they're using in the Major Leagues, which you would never think makes a big difference, but it except does. there is a different ball in AAA and the majors compared to single A and double A. This has been reported widely that this ball is different in the major leagues. Justin Verlander, I love how he went off and he was like, look, I'm married to Kate Upton. I've got MVPs. <laughs> I've won a World Series. I've got money that I can lay down like a mattress and sleep on every night with my supermodel wife. I'm 35 years old. I could care less what Major League Baseball Joe Torre and Rob Manfred say. I'm going to be at the All-Star game and telling people the ball's all screwed up and the NMLB did it on purpose. And then he gets called into a room, if you read the article, I gets yelled at by Joe Torre and comes out and goes, I still don't care. Because what what are you going to do to him? What are you going to do to Joe? I love the fact that he's like, Major League Baseball's doctoring the balls to get more home runs so people will come to games. I love that Justin, he's saying it. Justin Verlander, American yeah, hero. American hero. Who would have thought? Justin right. Verlander is an American hero right now. <laughs> his, so, but the his, thing, give a, his give a crap has run right. dry. <laughs> he's got, he, he has zero Fs to give. Okay. Yes. So anyway, back, so to the, back to the back, back to, the, to the list. Back to what I'm trying to get to here. Okay. If Robert is playing in AAA under the same conditions and he comes up and he does what he's doing right now, what would be the harm? and just elevating him right now to the majors and giving him the rest of the season to acclimate the major league. Hitting. No, you're not. You, I okay. mean, and you, no, I mean, you know, you, you, Juan Soto came up so quick. Remember, remember him? He's with the nationals. Yes. He came up in the back half of last year at a yes. much younger age. And they just accelerated from double a to, to the majors. And it made sense. What would be the harm? I'm not saying to do it because you want to win. I'm not jumping on the let's get a wild card bandwagon. That is not the plan here. But no, you want to give him at some, some point. He's going to acclimate. He's going to have to go through his bumps, right? Let him get through his bumps you'd, now. You'd rather that this year than next year when you're actually supposed to right. trying to be, win, to I be want winning. I him up yes. now. I know that it's a, that's not the popular opinion, but I because uh, because amongst writers and amongst the pragmatic people who follow the White Sox, they're like no. Give him his AAA time, slow it down, relax. You'll see him in May. You'll see him whenever it is. the Super 2 status thing goes by. Forget that crap. Bring him up now because he's ready and let him play. Listen, these are also the same. These are all. Frank Thomas went from AA. Frank Thomas went from AA to the majors. Stop telling me it's not possible. The guy can hit. These are also the same people who were, were poo-pooing the idea that Dylan Cease 
was you know that we're sitting there talking about how Dylan Cease, oh man, I'm not sure. We're not ready. I mean, he's putting 1.5 runners on base in triple A. He might not be ready, and, and you know we get called out on that. Yeah, and the, then the same people are saying the no. The same people are saying don't bring up Robert. Robert. Yeah, right. So anyway, we're, we're let's get back to that list. So we left off at Robert. So you're feeling really good about him. Remember, we're sitting around, we're talking about the idea that two out of every. You, what did you say? Two out of five. You want, two one, out of, you want like one out of three. One out of you one, want one, one out, out three of prospects three prospects well. to hit. Right. So yes. far, we got Mancada. Jimenez, we both. I mean, Mancada's hit. He's he's yes. good. You're yes. He should exactly. have been an all star. So that worked out fine. Okay. Jimenez is is incredible, and if you take away the beginning of his year, it it, it, it and he just had to get his feet wet. Defense is getting better. He's he's great. Okay, yeah. and like I said, you you say jury's out on Kopech. I I say the guy can pitch, and we're just waiting for him to get better. Now the next guy on the list at number fifty nine, two years ago on Baseball America's midseason top one hundred, Reynaldo Lopez. There's your miss. Oh boy. Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> yeah. Now, on the other hand, he had a really good start coming was, out of the All-Star I was going to say, he is getting better. But uh, until he puts together consistency and everything else like that, if you're going to put, like, hit or miss category, he's sitting in the miss category until he proves otherwise right now. Yes. And I, I still like his potential, and I think that he could be, I mean, think about it. I mean, this guy could be one of those guys that could be, a, a, like, a, a specialist that comes in for just one or two innings. Maybe that's what he becomes later on. Maybe he's not part of the rotation. Maybe he is. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Or with maybe him. he figures it out. Maybe he figures it out. Either way. Uh, you never yeah. know. Okay. We'll I mean, we got but, but Wellington's, right. Wellington's coming back, and he's just going to sit there and mess with him again because he needs to have Wellington catch the ball. So all the stuff that James McCann has built up with this guy is going to get thrown yeah, out the window again because of the insistence of having Wellington Castillo catch him. So we can only hope that Wellington gets traded and traded quickly. But we're going to get to that in this show. Lucas Giolito at number 75. <sighs> well, he's, I mean. Looks like he's a hit. It looks like he's a hit. Doesn't al- he? Although. The velocity is down. He's had a rough, he's had it rough coming out of the, all. you know, he, he's had a rough few games. He's had two bad games against the Cubs, which I attribute to. He still hasn't figured out the biggest moments yet. If you take those out, I think he's been okay. You know, he's going to be up and he's going to be down. There's an interesting article that's out right now. The Athletic put it out. His velocity was averaging 93.3 miles per hour on his four-seamer on Monday night. But his velocity is down, that means, from his all-star break average of 94.6. Ricky Renteria even addressed that, so the team is aware of it, saying... You know, he's coming off the All-Star break, pitched in that inning, didn't get the rest everybody else got. He's doing fine. He's working through some things. Okay, I mean, that's I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's what he's kind of so saying. So basically, Ricky's like, don't panic. Ricky's like, don't panic. Okay. okay. We've only got, here, real quick, we've only got six of those top seven. What oh, you want the seven? seventh one? Yeah, please. You're in a big hurry. Well, I just, I want, I don't, I don't want to get. me meandering. I don't want to get too off task. Okay, Dylan yeah. Cease at number 83. Uh, undecided. Undecided, of course. But you could see a scenario where six of those seven hit, right? Yeah, you could absolutely. see a scenario. That's incredible. And even if the six of seven don't hit, if we take Mancada, Jimenez, and we assume out of Kopech, Robert, and Giolito, one is a star. That's, right, right. That's, that's, Which is going to be yes. That's that's better than your thirty-three percent average because it's three out of seven. And there's a good chance you got another one in there, which is four out of seven, which is over 50% of your of your top prospects hit. And this is what we talked about for the last year. 
You needed something like this to happen with your prospects because the team is not going to spend absurd amounts of money. We've already learned this. We learned this this offseason that there's a limit that's placed by the ownership. No matter how much Rick Hahn wants to tell you that the money will be spent, we know there's a limit somewhere along the lines. And free agency is going straight to hell anyway. Right. So this is this is big news for the Sox, and it's it just my positive thing for the week because I'm going to tell you something right now. I was excited looking at that list because it popped up in my Facebook timeline of all places because we didn't have the show at the time. So I had taken no, a picture just... of that tweet and I had put it up on my Facebook page for my friends and been like, this is awesome. Like, the, the, look at what we got. I'm so glad we're rebuilding. And then two years later, it popped up in my memories thing and I was like, wow, what a great moment right there after the trade to get Jimenez and Cease. What we looked like just two years ago at the midseason. Because the guys on that list have either, most of the guys on that list have either A, hit, or B, you're pretty sure they're going to. Right. So. Right, exactly. Nice. nice. Yeah, it's a good thing. I'm happy. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Dave, this episode of Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Joseph's Finest Meats, simple old school Italian butcher shop showcasing prime aged beef. They are found at 7101 West Addison Street in Chicago. Joseph's Finest Meats, handling your meat. Since 1977. Nice. See, they keep changing the slogan. I love it. <laughs> what was the one before? You Nobody beats our meat. Nobody beats our meat. Right? It's almost worth going there just to, just to get a t-shirt. I'm sure they have them. One of my White Sox insiders, he's always hanging around the team, and he's always a part of when it comes down to memorabilia. He's had some interactions with the Hall of Fame, and I thought to myself, Harold Baines is going into the Hall of Fame this weekend. Who better than to have Garage Joe back on the show? How are you, Joe? Chris, always a pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you as well. There's a lot I want to get into today, but before we get into the ins and outs of Harold going in and where you can watch it and stuff like that, if somebody goes to Cooperstown, what's it like there? I, I remember I went when I was a kid, but I don't remember very much except for Dad driving me up to the door, and then we went in and looked at a bunch of stuff. What's Cooperstown like? Well, I'll tell you what. The, one of my favorite ways to describe it, it was an old picture I saw years and years ago, and it was a mural that someone had painted, and it said, Cooperstown, home of America's most perfect village. And I'll tell you what, that really strikes it on the head. This is a beautiful, small, quaint town with the Hall of Fame in the dead center of it and Doubleday Field around a quarter mile down on Main Street. Uh, the whole block, uh, the whole uh, strip is maybe a mile, mile and a half long, full of all mom and dad shops, and they all have to do with baseball memorabilia. And then in the dead center of town, you've got the Hall of Fame. Around two blocks uh, down, there's a beautiful lake called Lake Otisaga. Um, there's lots of entertainment to do on that, uh, but it's just a great, great little town. Um, there's so much to do there, and it's not just a baseball fan for um, uh, the males and the sons. Uh, in fact, my wife and I have been there 17 or 18 times since we've become proud members in 1997. And my wife always says it's one of her favorite vacations because it's such a relaxing village. Um, there's so much to do, and if you have a passion for baseball, uh, Cooperstown and the Baseball Hall of Fame has to be on the top of it. Now, you do some stuff every once in a while with the Hall of Fame. Uh, when was the last time you did something with them? Tell, tell me a little bit about what you worked on. 
I'll tell you what, my wife and I have been proud members of the Hall of Fame. And what I mean by that is, you know how you can become a member of Brookfield Zoo or a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And for a small monetary value, uh, you can become a member of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Most recently, the Hall of Fame is trying to digitalize a lot of their photos of their Hall of Famers. Uh, for instance, they recently had uh, approximately 490 photos of 20-year Hall of Famer Luke Appling that they wanted to upgrade and get uh, modernized. And we saw what the cost was going to be, and my wife and I contacted the Hall of Fame and stepped up to the plate and made a monetary gift to cover that, something that was really neat several years ago. Uh, they had the one and only item that they had of shoeless Joe Jackson's. They had his spikes from 1919. That's right, the Black Sox year. It's the only item that they have from Shoeless Joe. They don't have any bats or jerseys or hats or anything. They just had his spikes, and they were in need of restoration. Imagine spikes made of leather uh, kind of pulling away from the, uh, uh, the metal of the spikes. So uh, they were looking for someone to underwrite and uh, uh, take care of the restoration. As soon as my wife and I saw that opportunity, being White Sox fans, being big um, uh, movie fans and feel the dreams, it was just uh, the baseball god's way of saying, that's something you have to do, and we did. I know it's got to be rough for you to be missing the ceremony this year. I know you and your wife, I, you know, I saw you guys last at SoxFest in person, but we've talked on the phone several times on the show. You're huge White Sox fans. You, you do whatever you can to help out the team, which I think is amazing. And you're always, you always try to be a little involved and you're, you're like super fans. You're, you're what I wish I could be. And maybe one day I will be when I'm, when I'm not so busy taking care of all these damn kids that are running around tugging on my, on my leg here in the, in the Lanuti household. But the, the hall of fame ceremony now coming up this weekend, if you can't go, like, I know you can't go and I know it's gotta be killing you. How, how does somebody watch it? Give me, give me some tips. Give me what you've got so far, because I know you're trying to figure out how to get the most coverage as you can with Harold going in, and you can't actually go this year. Well, first of all, before we get that, your weekly podcast does more for White Sox fans than you're giving yourself credit to. So please, when you're talking about super fans, you're right up there at the top. So thank you for all your love and passion into this weekly podcast. Thank you, Joe. In regards to this week, I'll tell you what, my wife and I, each year, we, we always circle this date because we're not going anywhere. If we're not going to go to the induction in person, uh, we stay at home. We turn off our cell phones. We get our chairs in the middle of our uh, uh, big screen TV. We'll make some hot dogs, some popcorn, whatever it might be. We pull out our Hall of Fame program from that year, our Hall of Fame almanac. And you're going to laugh at this. We have got a box of Kleenex between us. This year's Hall of Fame induction ceremony is on at 1230 on the MLB channel. I suggest that everyone watch it, especially if you have a youngster at home. Uh, what they do at the very beginning, it's my favorite part of induction day. Um, this year, well, right now, there's 79 living Hall of Famers. This year is a record setting. There'll be 58 past inductees attending this year's induction. So imagine 58 inductees and what the MLB station does is they introduce each and every one of them one at a time. So you get to see Hank Aaron today, how Sandy Koufax looked today, Johnny Bench, Cal Ripken, and then they show five or six seconds of their playing career. So if you're watching it with a youngster or maybe a millennial that never got to see Hammer and Hank, bingo, you get to show them his beautiful swing. And then um, they'll, they'll wrap it up with that. And then how wonderful that our own Harold Baines goes into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. There's been a lot of 
jokes in the media lately that we all know Harold's never said a lot, but this should be a very uh, heartfelt speech. So to hear Harold Baines hear what he has to say, we're very much excited about that. Joe, you're a baseball scholar and a gentleman. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with us your thoughts on the Hall of Fame and the excitement surrounding Harold going in this year, whether or not somebody is driving to Cooperstown this weekend or watching it at home. I think they're ready now. Thank you very much, my friend. Have a great weekend. Go Sox. Now, Dave, yes. the MLB trade deadline is different this year. I don't think a lot of people caught on to it. I mean, I think the the hardcore fans caught on to it, but I don't think everybody remembers this happened. MLB changed the rule. They change a lot of rules now. Did you see that the guy stole first base in an independent league this year, th- this week? No. Yeah, they're experimenting with a rule that if the ball doesn't hit the ground and the catcher misses it, it's and it's a it's a it's an unimpeded like passed ball that the runner at his own peril can try to take first. Um, Remember the old adage: you can't steal first base. These morons think this will inc- this will improve the game. Stealing first base. Wait a minute. How is that different than a drop third strike? I'm not following you. Drop third strike is first of all there, there have to be certain factors. Okay. Look, I could sit there and I, I could try to quote it off the top of my head, but I'll screw it up. But it's not the same as at any point during the count, like on the first pitch of the count. Oh, this is any point the, during the count. Any you point can do this? during the count, the what? pitcher sails it over to catcher's head. The guy can run the front. That's stupid. Isn't it stupid? A guy stole first base. This is another this is another pace of play and try to score runs thing. They're telling Justin Verlander we're not doctoring the ball because we don't care about offense as much as you think we do. And they're experimenting in one of the low-level leagues with stealing first base. Hey man, you can go to a Windy City Thunderbolts game and see uh <laughs> see some f- dude stealing first base. Okay. They did change the rule on the trade deadline. It's a hard deadline, like the NFL. It's a hard deadline now. July 31st, when the trade deadline hits, that's it. The idea of putting a guy on waivers and being able to pull him back is gone. You could still put a guy on waivers in August, and if he's picked up before August 31st, he's on your postseason roster, but no team teams can't pull him back. You just get him, and there's no trade involved. So the trading all ends on July 31st, which means teams can't play the game of, well, we can wait and we can see. They have to make a decision now. So in the next couple of weeks, and we're already starting to see deals starting to get done, you're going to see this just incredible amount of trades. Now, I don't know what the White Sox are going to do in terms of if they're going to be buyers and try to grab somebody for future years that has control or anything like that. But I, I do know this. Wellington Castillo's coming up and Zach Collins is going down to give one more opportunity for this team to unload Wellington Castillo. Let's hope. But that's that's the only reason for this. Because after that point, if he is not dealt, you need to waive him. Put yeah, him on waivers. Put him on let waivers. Let somebody pick up his contract right, exactly. and move on. And Collins has been working out. He was working out up until the day, the actual day that they, they sent him back to AAA. That whole day, he's out with Joel McEwing. And Joe is like helping him with flips the first base, like fielding a ball and flipping it over to first when the pitcher's covering. See what I'm saying? Yes. Because he's going to be first base slash catcher. That's his role. In the, in the beauty that is the discovery of James McCann and the fact that you have a year of control with arbitration next year and you should be able to get a deal done with this man. And I, unless all of a sudden he just hits a wall and this is all some sort of farce, and, and, and I don't believe that. I think what you have now is that this team realizes that's your number one catcher. 
and there's no reason to try to force Collins in. Like, Collins was a high draft pick, but there's always been little questions about him. You don't have those questions with the seasoned James McCann, who's shown now he can do it. So he's not getting replaced. So Collins needs to have at-bats, and that's the one thing the White Sox screwed up. They didn't give him enough at-bats when he came up here to start. I was, we were saying that. You know, question about the Collins thing before we go back to, you know, Wellington Castillo. I don't want to talk about him again. I just want him dealt. Okay, well, fine. Good. Then we I'm don't good. Have, deal, good. We're good deal there. Deal him. I'm done we're with him. I'm just saying he's up right now, and the only reason he's up for people that are wondering why Collins is back down if is because they're try- trying to still save something, and then they're going to wave him if nobody else grabs so him. if you're trying to... But the Cubs didn't want him. Let's okay. just think about that. The Cubs just went out and got Maldonado from the Royals and didn't even <laughs> knock on the Sox <laughs> door. Okay. So, and they gave up Mike Montgomery for Maldonado. Well, didn't the Cubs. So there goes another, there was a team. That's what you were hoping for. You were hoping that a team needed a catcher and they were in a race and they were willing to give you anything for Wellington Castillo. And the Cubs passed. And the Cubs were like, we're going to take that Martin Maldonado off of, uh, off of, uh, Kansas City, because Wilson Contreras is going to be down for the next two weeks, and we don't want to miss a beat. It, it, it wasn't wasn't Wellington, but go ahead. So if Joe McEwing is starting to get some reps for Zach Collins at first base, what's the plan there with uh, Andrew Vaughn? Because he is supposed to just rocket through this this system, and he is he is another. I mean, he is a first baseman. Fine. I get all that. Okay, and there's going to be the school of thought because we've heard it suggested already on this show. From a, from a guest, that the possibility of you don't need Jose Abreu. Guess what? They're keeping Jose Abreu. We've talked about this. So <laughs> I, I think they're keeping Jose Abreu. I think it'd be a mistake to get rid of Jose Abreu right now. You don't count your chickens before they're hatched. We have talked about you this. Want to have, you want to have good problems to have, or is there isn't enough room for all of your prospects that are ready? We have talked Those about this. Those are good this. problems. Even, year, even a year and a half ago when it was the whole debate of do you trade – Avisail Garcia, or do you trade Jose Abreu? And I was very much on the, even back then, I was very much on the keep Jose Abreu. He's shown more consistency throughout his career. He's a father figure to all of the Latino he's a, players he's their on big their brother, team. Man. Yeah. He's, he goes he's, out and buys a tablet for Moncada and basically goes, hey, so you can look at stuff in your off time. Like basically explaining to him, like, hey, uh, you can't just show up for work and sit around for 10 minutes to look at film and be good. I bought you a tablet. You should have been able to afford one of these on your own, but I bought you one and I even downloaded everything for you. Hit this little button and start working, kid, or you're not going to make it in the majors. That's you awesome. You want a guy like that on your team. That is awesome. I did not know that yeah, story. Yeah, he did. So, I mean, like that, you want a guy like that on your team. So, no, you don't move on from him. And I know Vaughn is coming and I'm excited about Vaughn. So, guess what? Castillo goes on July 31st, one way or another. Yeah, he's, either he's traded he's, or either he's, he's either he's traded the or White Sox right. have to do this. And, you know they, and, and then for the good of everybody involved, it's time to move on. And then you bring up Collins, and you tell, and now you give him the bats that right now you gave you're giving AJ Reed, which I thought was an interesting move. We haven't talked about that. the The White Sox go out and they get a prospect that at one point was I think the 11th best prospect in MLB.com mm-hmm. on the pipeline, and he was going to be a really good player two years ago. And the big boy AJ Reed just can't break through with the Astros. Astros are too good to have patience for you. But the White Sox wanted him. And during the rebuild years, and Reed actually said this in an interview, that the Sox had told him on the phone they acquired him, we tried to get you several times, and the asking price that the Astros had was too high. So we didn't make the move. In fact, I seem to remember there was a point in time during the sale and during the uh, Quintana times when they were going to make deals that the Astros were mentioned as possibilities but the White Sox probably wanted more than just Reed. 
see what I'm saying? Yes. And, and they, and, and I remember those deals. Or they probably yes. wouldn't give them Reed. Or they, and then later they tried to acquire Reed with something else, but they didn't. They did. They didn't want. So sure. the White Sox got their guy. The Sox are notorious for this. A guy that they've scouted, a guy that they want. He doesn't work out with a team. The Sox go and grab him. I have no problem with picking this kid up, and you give him an opportunity. But guess what? When Wellington Castillo goes away, and when Zach Collins comes up, and when AJ Reed gets waived, because it's coming after watching this kid play because he isn't that good. He can never sit in a bar when he's older and say, man, I never got my true shot. Like he can't go back to his hometown and people are like, AJ, what happened, man? You were going to be a star. He can't sit there and say, man, nobody gave you my shot. You're getting your shot right now, buddy. You should have been ready. He is not ready. This guy, I mean, the, how many opportunities can a player get? This guy's watched, not going to make. I haven't it. watched him play. I've missed. I've missed. Oh, he looks like a little league yeah, up no, at the plate. I've missed. I've I've missed all the games. Just I've I've had other stuff. I haven't watched the past he's four or five than games. Polka, but yeah, just because of the fact he's not Polka. But I mean, basically, it's the same thing as Polka. Right. So maybe Polka's better. I don't know. Both of them. Both of them should not see the team anymore because Zach Collins should come up and be your first base slash catcher sitting behind. James McCann, once Wellington, is gone one way or another here at the end of the month, and then he should be getting a lot of at-bats. He should be sitting in that DH role. He should be filling in at first base. He should be in the lineup six out of seven days. you got to find out what you have with him. It's time to move on from these other guys. Right, and I think they will. I mean, I, sending him down, he came up here, d- Collins did, did not have a good go of it. Send him back down. Hope he figures some things out, right? Bring him back up after the trade deadline. See what you, exactly. See what you have right now. Well, here's my thing. Reed is a guy that the team coveted like crazy who fails. Gets put on the team, which I still don't have a problem with. I'm fine with that. Grab a guy and stick him in. This is the perfect time to do it. Right, because you never know. You never know. Maybe he'll be good. And you, and you, you catch lightning in a bottle. But he batted fourth already. He's in the lineup every day. And he can't hit. Oh, boy. And here's your first round draft pick that you've been waiting to get up here, and you can't find a bats for him. So, yeah, you got to send him down because whatever decision you guys are making, and, I, you know, I could get on a rant for at least an hour and a half about how stupid I think the need to always be righty-lefty, 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 righty-lefty in a lineup is. Because if you got two good hitters and they both have to be right-handed, you put them next to each other. And the idea that there was a point already this – there was a point this week where A.J. Reed, because he's a lefty, was batting fourth – and Jimenez was batting fifth. But the insistence on the righty-lefty, righty-lefty, righty-lefty all the time. There are lots of teams that don't do that. There are lots of teams that have two really good right-handed hitters and put them next to that's each other. One of these and old, those teams are just fine. That's one of these old... I think that's one of these old oh, school things nuts. that... that it, I think that's one of these old school things that most major league teams aren't doing anymore, but the Sox still think are. About, think about how many terrible acquisitions we've had over the years because we insisted on the guy being a left-handed Left-handed hitter. power hitter. <laughs> like, think about that. Think about... Like, because we're so concerned about it. While other teams who don't go righty-lefty, righty-lefty, righty-lefty all the time win championships. I don't know how they do it Chris, if they're not following the righty lefty righty lefty righty lefty rule. I have a list that's long and distinguished, said said Goose in Top Gun, uh, of left-handed power hitters that Kenny Williams has acquired that are just utmost miserable failures. I won't okay. I won't rattle the list, but it's it's yeah it's there. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, and then by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nudist basement And the nudist basement Another show is wrapped up Another show is wrapped up Another show is wrapped up And it's in the books
Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Noodles Basement, broadcast basement, the Noodles Basement, the broad basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? I felt like it. Dave, our one-year anniversary is upon us for Sacks in the Basement. Can you believe that it's been I a year? I cannot believe that. It's kind of a foggy year because we tried it out like at the beginning of, at the end of May of last year, and then we went away, and then we came back for an episode or two, and then we were really kind of full swing in July. So, because of that, next week, one-year anniversary show. I have a brilliant idea for it. People are going to have to wait until they listen. But all this talk about stuff that was said in the past and the way that things were viewed two years ago, six months ago, got me thinking. So make sure you check it out next week. If you are not subscribed to Socks in the Basement, click the little subscribe button on whatever player you're listening on, whether it be Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you listen. Make sure that you follow us at Socks in the Basement on Twitter and Instagram. Socks in the Basement has a Facebook page as well. It is amazingly named Socks in the Basement. It's very easy to find. <laughs> that is Dave. I am Chris. Go White Socks. Socks in the Basement found everywhere. Podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement.